Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah Austin, and this is the She Burns Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Chilla Verres. Chilla Verres is a primary care doctor at True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California. She's a graduate from Rutgers University with a degree in biology and obtained her medical degree from Bastyr University, where she also finished her master's in acupuncture and oriental medicine. The focus of our practice and outreach is to educate and inspire individuals to achieve optimal health through nutrition and lifestyle medicine. She has a regular lecture series at True North Health and does outreach to the community on impact of whole food, plant-based nutrition, water fasting, and lifestyle modification in the prevention and treating chronic illness. She is the author of the sleep module component of the Lifestyle Medicine Core Curriculum, offered by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Dr. Varese has written several articles for Health Science Magazine, and her work has been featured on a Netflix documentary. She has been a contributing expert in various summits and podcasts, discussing the importance of plant-based nutrition, fasting, sleep, stress management, and lifestyle hacking for optimal health. Welcome, Chilla. I am so excited that you are here with me today. So let's start here for our listeners. Can you start with explaining what you do at True North? Yes. So I'm a naturopathic physician. I'm also a licensed acupuncturist. So at True North, I am an attending, meaning that I guide people through anywhere from three to 40 day water only fasts, right? And then I also do see inpatients and outpatients for a variety of different chronic illnesses. So I I see people for diabetes type two, hypertension, a specialty of mine is autoimmune. I do see quite a few autoimmune patients. Um, We also do see cancer um, when people would like to do more integrative care. So they're working with their oncologist and then they want another approach to their overall care. Um, And so we can, we do a lot of nutrition-based medicine, meaning we really focus on whole food, plant-based, no salt, no sugar, no oils. So um, that's our main, main kind of push. I do a lot of lifestyle modification as well. So I'm really focusing in on sleep, stress management, the importance of community, the importance of really like a sense of purpose in life, right? So all these different aspects, exercise, our main kind of focuses that we have. And of course we use nutraceuticals as well if we need to, but it's kind of like as per needed, we don't really make that our main focus. What's the difference between you and like a regular primary care? So if I had Providence or Kaiser or something like that, could I use that insurance and come to you as a clinician or is it completely separate? How does that work? 
Yeah, it depends. So naturopathic doctors are, are licensed differently in different states. I know Oregon, for instance, Washington, um, Montana, Vermont, they have really great insurance plans that actually incorporate NDs. So they're covered like you would go to your PCP or your primary care physician too. So, so they have that in California, unfortunately, insurances don't include, you know, uh, naturopathic doctors under insurance plans. So everything is going to be out of pocket for Mm -hmm. that, but across the board in terms of care, it really is about the the tools in the toolbox basically. And, And what I mean by that is that across the board, the majority of conventional doctors really have a very distinct focus. So when they learn pathophysiology, when they learn every system in the body, it's really about, okay, so we have this, how do we then treat it with this pharmaceutical medication? Or then what are the, what are the standards of care? Like, do we actually then go and have surgery here? Da, da, da. So um, whereas naturopathic doctors, we learn pathophysiology, we learn all about the systems, but we have a couple of other tools in our toolbox. So while I am not totally going to push pharmaceuticals out of the box, because let's face it, if you have a rip roaring infection, I'm going to put you on antibiotics. You need that. If you have a gallstone and it's blocking a duct, I'm going to send you to the hospital for surgery. Like there, so it's not that it's not necessary. It's just more about like, we're on like the pyramid of needs. Is it so first and foremost, you know, we would be, let's looking at diet. Let's look at exercise lifestyle hacks, right? Then what we would look at is, do they need spinal adjustments? Do we need maybe cranial sacral? Is there a need for chiropractic? Is there a need for massage, right? Can we do this with botanicals or natural type of medications? Can do we do this with hydrotherapy? believe it or not, Mm -hmm. like water therapies, right? Can we use this? Like, can we just use uh, nutraceuticals? So supplements as well. We go through and there's just so much more in our toolbox, mind, right? Mind, emotional health, right? Do we use MDMR? You know, do we use tapping? Do we use counseling? Do we use Mm -hmm. hypnosis? So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that we have a little bit more that we work with in terms of, okay, this person has this distinct thing, what would help them the most Mm -hmm. when we get underneath? So it sounds very holistic. I mean, I think it is, you know, I'm, I've always managed in Western medicine and always looking at Eastern medicine too. I think there's always a great compliment, but I've had so many colleagues, friends, even medical doctors that have worked in insurance companies that have said, you have to, should the prescription just be a walk in the woods? Should the prescription be water fasting? So looking at those other, like you said, tools in your toolbox to really expand what Mm -hmm. wellness looks like. Wellness isn't just medical and health anymore. It's really mental, which is what we're supposed to be talking about today. What led you to this career? I can see that you're super passionate about this. And after talking with you offline, and obviously I know you, this is like, it lights you up from within. So what led you to be and choose to be a naturopathic doctor? Well, I started off my career path in pre-med. So I was going towards medicine anyway. Thankfully, the medical school, or I should say the undergrad school that I was at, they were like, you know what, you should go volunteer at a hospital just to get a sense of it. So when I went to do that, it was absolutely nothing what I wanted to be a part of in the terms of, it just shocked me. I didn't, thankfully knock on wood, I never was really sick. So as a child or into my teenage years, so I never had to walk into a hospital before. And it, and it really wasn't 
the healthcare that I had somehow envisioned in my head, you know, I just kind of envisioned something totally different. Anyway, I got out of pre-med. I actually went into marketing and I spent 10 years in Manhattan in marketing and in advertising. And while I was good at it, it, I lost my soul. I really Mm -hmm. did. But interestingly, as I'm losing my soul in advertising, I'm like grasping. So I got uh, Pilates training. I used to do a lot of yoga. I got my nutrition like training to learn more about whole food, plant-based nutrition. I just was searching. Like I just kept gathering more and more information, counseling information, things of that nature. And then finally I hit a wall and I just couldn't keep going. Like I was just like, I'm so miserable. I like, I couldn't even get out of bed anymore. It was kind of burnout. You know, it was, it was, it was my own form of burnout because I actually was like working during the day, drinking at night just to kind of mitigate, yeah. you know, me- like, like medicate, yourself. My, medicate myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then basically it was honestly, I, I always think of it as like a divine kind of intervention. Cause I started searching, I quit my job. I left the city and I started searching and I was like, okay, what do I want to do? I just want to create like the social consciousness. I just want to create change in the world. And it's so cliche, but I was just like, I actually Googled it. Right. And <laughs> I, I know it's so crazy. I was like, but I was searching, like, I had yeah. no idea what, what do you do. Yeah. All of a sudden, I don't know why, but like Bastier's website, which is the naturopathic college that I went to uh, medical college that I went to popped up. And there was just like this little thing in their mission statement that had social consciousness and in this. So I looked at it and I was like, holy shit, this is exactly what I wanted to do. So when I went and I interviewed and I looked at the campus and I looked at what they were offering, I'm like, this is healthcare. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what I want to offer. Like, this is, this is it. Like, this is, yes, I want to grow. I want to help people grow gardens. I want to, I want to help people understand herbs and like how getting fresh air is so important, right? Like, anyway, so that's, that's how I got into it. Isn't it funny how those little signs, like, I mean, it's amazing what a Google search will do for you. I tell you, people say all the time, if I'm bored or I don't know what to do, I'm like, just start Googling, like literally your stream of consciousness. It's amazing what rabbit hole will go down. And I do think it's almost like you said, divine intervention. It's like my shower moment that I tell everybody. I started She Shatters in the shower because a voice came to me and said, you have to start a company and you have to name it, you know, something like She Shatters and you have to help women so they don't wind up like you. And I'm like, who's in the shower with me? So, I talk, <laughs> so your Google moment, my shower moment, it, those are really, really important. It is. Yeah, totally. So obviously, you know, you're loving your career, you're having a great time. And then COVID comes along and then phase one comes along and then phase two. And now we're in phase three. What yeah. trends are you seeing, Chilla, with your clients and res- in respect to symptoms and exhaustion and depression and burnout? Oh, such a good question. I am actually, I saw the greatest shift during phase one, to be honest with you, but I have seen an incredible amount of upswing with anxiety, with depression, and actually even with, like you mentioned, burnout with individuals that have no idea that that's what they're going through. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. right? I saw it really a lot with phase one. I'm seeing a little bit of the trickle as we keep going down that road, but I, I have a feeling that a lot of people that maybe didn't at first are starting to catch on a little bit more in terms of this, where I think the whole I'll be honest with you. There's, there's a difference between, you know, being 
physically isolated and socially isolated because one of the most important, I mean, the, the literature is so profound in terms of one of the, one of the best ways that you can protect your adrenals, that you can actually help prevent burnout and also start to reverse the process is social connection. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's profound when you look at the, the studies that are out there for that. So if we, if we just look at that one piece, right. And there's so many other pieces involved in it, but if we just look at that one piece, the number of people that didn't even realize how socially isolating that they were, even with the fact that they didn't pick up their phones, they didn't talk to their friends, they really kind of kept to themselves, right? Or some people just, you know, this is not their mode of communication. Right? So yeah. they weren't interacting with people. Mm-hmm. That in and, of its, in and of itself of the fact that we were going through this crazy stressful time as a world, not even as a nation, right? As a world that in part, right? In addition to everything has totally, I, I think, created a internal physiological state that really created um, anxiety, depression, which makes sense when you think about the stages of stress and how it manifests over time. Because a lot of times, because remember the, the first stage of stress, the acute phase is actually saving our lives. So we don't, we don't want to get stress out of our lives. We don't, we don't actually want to get this response out of our lives because it's, it's life-saving. It's actually necessary. It's the thing that will prevent us from, from being eaten by a bear, right. Or help, help us run away away from a fight or flight, right? Fight or flight. It's it's the thing that gets us, gets us, you know, our things done when we're working, right? If we have a deadline due, it's Mm -hmm. the thing that's going to get us going and making sure that we're getting that done. So it's so, so this stress response is not necessarily the problem. It's the problem is, is if we can't, if we're not recognizing that it's actually running our lives Mm -hmm. and we are actually then not able to create this beautiful, I always think of it as like a rubber band, right? We are Mm -hmm. so beautifully designed where we can actually stretch our stress response. And then we have to bring it back to normal, stretch it, bring it back. So it's always like this. Most of us though, unfortunately, because of this, of our day and age, and actually the pandemic is a perfect example of that, where many people were stretching it and then they weren't actually mitigating that stretching it, stretching mm-hmm. it, stretching it to the fact that they broke. Right. Yes. And they, or they have burnout. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the um, analogy of the rubber band. I actually just was taking notes about mm-hmm. stretching it. So I think that's what people were saying is, you know, why are, why am I burning out so quickly, but you're not. And obviously everyone's circumstances are differently, but it's like, if you were already kind of stressed and you weren't able to mitigate that or control that, frankly, be in the driver's seat versus the passenger seat in your life, then you were left more likely to break or snap than you were trying to be flexible. So I love that analogy. Yeah. Well, it's actually, and, and there's a couple, you're so right about that. There's a couple of you know, factors that go into whether or not somebody burns out versus somebody doesn't. Right. And, and I always say you actually have to go all the way back to even like childhood or even like preconception. And I know people are always like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> it and always it's comes like, back to the childhood. I swear no, to God. <laughs> but, but it, yeah. but it's, but you know, the thing is, is that the problem 
is that it's kind of like a cup, right? In the sense that like we as human, right? What we do is we're, we get bombarded by so many things, right? Like not only like, can it be stressors in childhood or teenage years or in, in early adulthood, but it's also like the toxin overload, right? Whether or not you're eating right, whether or not you have exercised in your life, all that yeah. stuff. But what it does is it starts to build and build and build. And so the thing is, is that you're dealing with one aspect where it's like you said, it's like how stressed or how much stuff are you carrying on your back already, right? When this thing hits, right? Then the other thing is what kind of coping mechanisms do you have in place? And then the third thing is absolutely now what literature shows is that one of the best ways that we can come at stressors in a way that's going to help mitigate that cortisol response, right? That adrenaline, a cortisol response that we don't want to keep going long-term is actually how we're approaching it. So the idea behind that is that are we, and, and it's usually split seconds, right? But it's like, how are you, what's your perception of it? So do you know already, do you have control or no control over the situation? If you don't have control over the situation, then are you always trying to exert control? Because that's going to just stress you out, right? Cortisol is just going to stay elevated. But if you can be, if there's a realistic idea around the fact that, okay, you know what, I don't have control over it, but let me figure out what I do have control over mm -hmm. and do that. Right. Yes. And then the other phase of that is whether or not you can actually see things in an opportunistic type of mode, you know, like mindset yes. Yes. versus a victim or a threat. And that is major. That is major. Yes. That is the difference, right. Between any, any kind of stressor, you can be on the, you know, like in the church getting ready for marriage, right. Which is a really good stress, but cortisol is going to be high, or you can be five minutes from a deadline. Right. So it's still cortisol high. So the point is, is that cortisol is always going to elevate the idea though. What you want to do is you want to, again, kind of create that rubber band and bring that cortisol down. Right. And the way to do that is how you're perceiving it. Because when you're getting married, that cortisol goes up and then it mm. comes back down. Right. If you hand in that report and you're just like, all right, whatever comes back, you know, even if it's not what I want, I'm going to try to fix it. We have time, you know, I'm just going to try to do my best. That's an opportunistic type of mm -hmm. mindset, right? That's going to be the same thing. Cortisol is high, but it's going to come right back down the study show. But if you're coming at it and saying, crap, I wish I had 10 more minutes. I can't believe I did that. Like, it's just sucks. Like that report is not my best work. Da -da. Then unfortunately, what we know cortisol goes up and then it just stays elevated. It just yeah. keeps going. And that's the danger. That's the I, danger. Right I love these analogies. And for, I think our listeners yeah. too, I had my aha moment when first the rubber band was great. So I, I wrote mm -hmm. a little note to myself on that. The <laughs> second piece was controlling. How do you approach the situation? And I love what you said. I wrote it down about what is your perception of that situation? Mm -hmm. If you feel like you can't control, you're kind of out of your chaotic situation. If you have control issues like me, you try to control it even more. And it's like, mm -hmm. you're trying to hold on to a ledge that the ledge is crumbling, right? Yeah. So it's figuring out and exerting that control. And what do you have control over? What do you not? Totally. The other thing that we've talked a lot about is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So in order to have a great perception or a good perspective on your situation, would you agree or what are your thoughts about, do you have to know yourself and what your limits are and what you struggle with? Like, I know I have control issues. I have good self-awareness in relation to that. 
Do you think self-awareness is a component of that? And if so, how do you incorporate that into your life? Because you have to understand that there's a problem before you address the problem and develop tactics and situations to uh, you know, manage that. What are your thoughts on that? I no, I totally agree. I, I think I think having self-awareness is step one. I think awareness is step one, not even like just self-awareness, but just awareness is really important. And the reason why it's so important is because it allows a person to even recognize, you know, what, what kind of patterns they tend to get themselves into, right? Like, I'll just share one example, just to give you, when I was giving this talk one time on, on adrenal health in San Francisco, one of the, one of the women says, you know, this is all great, Dr. Varish, but I just lost my husband. So how do you want me to be positive about the situation? Right. And I said to her, and I was like, you know, thank you so much for bringing this up because here's the idea about self-awareness. So what I told her actually is just this, I just lost my mom literally like a month prior to that. And I said, I'm not saying do not go through the grieving process. You have to, you have to grieve your husband and go through it in, in any length of time that you need to. The difference though is, is how are you showing up every single day? And I said to her, I was like, because let me tell you, it's not, it's not that I'm looking at it being like, Oh, thank the Lord. My mom died. You know, she's just in a better place. I actually came out of it and said, you know what? I am just happy that she was in my life. Like, and I was trying to think of all the beautiful times that I've had with her. And I still went through the grieving process. It wasn't that I was happy all the time. It was just the fact that me appreciating her life and really appreciating the fact that I had this woman in my life made a change for me. It turns out the way that she was coming at it was like, how dare he leave me? How dare he leave me in this world by myself alone? Mm -hmm. And she could not get out of this negative spiraling of that. Right. And so here's the awareness. When I told her that, right. She was like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize. I'm like, you're playing victim. And I go, I go, trust me. I'm like, I I'm so sorry for your loss, but like you were playing victim. Your husband didn't do this to you. You know, your husband, you couldn't have you couldn't have predicted, he couldn't have predicted him dying. Right. And so that, that was such a negative spiraling for her. So again, just like what you said, like that awareness was huge for her. I mean, I I could see it in her eyes. She flipped and she Mm -hmm. was like, holy cow. Like, yeah, like I've been, I've been putting myself in a prison, you know? So, so it's, so it's, it's vitally, Mm -hmm. vitally important for you to understand how you're showing up on every single day, because if you're showing up and you know, the little things are really driving you, then you have to really assess like, why, why is, you know, this person that's cutting me off, you know, why am I going into road rage? Um, (laughs) Why is right? Why is it every time my assistant, you know, doesn't deliver something on time, I get irritated with her? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on? Is it because I'm getting really stressed out, and I'm not managing my stress? Or, you know, do I have control issues, like you said, or do I really need to sit down with this person and talk to them about, you know, expectations and things of that, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but just but that awareness is huge. It's huge. You know, how do you get that though? So I've been talking with hundreds of women since I started this Mm -hmm. company and obviously being a woman, you're a woman too. Like I've had a lot of therapy in my life. Obviously you've done your self-work as well, but I was talking to a woman yesterday who said, I would never pay for therapy. I would never, uh, you know, go to a self-help talk. I was inviting her to one of our um, self-love seminars and she's like, oh no, I would never go to that, but I would buy it for a friend. 
I would give it as a gift to my best girlfriend. So what do you say to women or people in general that say, I would never spend my money on myself to get myself better? You talked about, you know, you're in California. It's not covered by insurance, but you do. People are paying out of pocket to get well. So before you get to the point that you wind up on the hosp- at the hospital and Western medicine hasn't taken care of, you know, the symptoms or the signs, you're still unwell mentally and physically. What would your advice be to women who say, I can't afford it, or I don't want to spend the money or, you know, what, how do you get them out of that pattern? Yeah. Well, first I would, I would go a little bit deeper and I would, I would really ask why, like what's underneath it, because there's always some, if you keep pulling that rope down, one of the biggest questions I ask my patients is what's your obstacle to cure? So meaning what is, what is the thing that's standing in the way from you being as optimally healthy, right? Because a a person like, like that woman that you just mentioned, I would probably bet money if I was a betting woman that there's some sort of underlining subconscious talk for her. That's like, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth the money. You know, like there's maybe like a, or maybe there's a scarcity issue too. just being fearful. Like if I spend this money, then I'm not going to have enough money for something else. Right. Like there's, Mm -hmm. so there's always some piece of that. And I just encourage women just to keep, keep digging and keep asking why, like, so, you know, in that sense, it's like, if you've asked her and she's like, oh no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend money. Why would you not spend money? Whatever her answer is. Why is that? And just keep asking because as much as it sounds like a little child, like kind of kid, but you, but the thing you're, what you're trying to get deep into is helping them understand, like you're here, right? Like you're here in your conscious world, but actually what's being your director, right? Is actually, there's a pilot back here and it's actually steering you. It's the sub, the, it's the unconscious that's, that's kind of directing you. And most of us are being, you know, driven by our, our unconscious. So, cause I think the more you, uh, the more that I'm able to dig in deep and understand those little pieces, people break down. And they, I mean, I've had so many people cry in my office just because they're just like, they've been holding it, right? Like they just hold this, this frame. And it's a lot of times women, I'll, I'll be, I'll, like, it's a lot of times they keep putting themselves into the back burner, yes. putting themselves back, keep putting themselves back. I'm going to have to deal with my husband. I have to like, you know, focus on my kids. I have to, I have to be the caregiver for my aunt. I have to be the caregiver for my parent. Right. And, and so they, they just, they don't ever even stop to say, I need to take care of myself. And then mm-hmm. when you ask them why it's like, you know, you, you like they'll break down and then yeah. they're like, okay, I get it. Now yeah. I do have to take care of myself. You know, it seems like for a lot of women, and this is true for me. So I'm not like grouping myself separately was it took so many of my body's warning signs for me to crash and burn. It, it, I had the caution. I had the deer crossing. I had the elk crossing signs. I had every sign under the mm-hmm. sun to before I was literally on the bathroom floor couldn't get up. So how do you, I mean, if money's not an obstacle, if you're getting in your own way, is your advice the same that just keep digging deeper and try to figure out why are you getting in your own way? I think you said earlier in the podcast, some people just don't know that they are burned out, right? They just Mm -hmm. think it's coronavirus. Everyone's having a shitty time. Who am I to raise the red flag? Because everybody's feeling this way. What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. about that? Yeah, I would say, well, one, two, two things I have to say about that. One is adrenal burnout, or I don't even want to say adrenal burnout because there's not really such a thing as like a, 
adrenal burnout. There's an adrenal kind of insufficiency type of syndrome that can happen, um, even though people feel like they're burnt out, but um, just as a more of like a, a more correct kind of like medical term for that. But what I would say is this, is that, you know, the symptoms are so wide in how cortisol really impacts the body. And, and, you know, Hans Selle is a, is a really famous psychologist that kind of termed this phrase of like chronic stress kind of syndrome. And he, I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating to actually, like when you, when you see somebody and you've identified the fact that like, they just work, they work a lot, they're trying to do everything. When you go through a list of them, many people have most of them, right? It's like, you know, if you think about it, you're going to be, and, and you know what, it's an easy way to actually figure figure this out is if if you think about, if you think about like a bear chasing after you, right. And if you think about the physiological response of the acute stress response, this can really help you understand how this then translate to full body breakdown. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so let's kind of do a fun little experiment. So a bear is chasing after you, right? So what happens is adrenal gets shot into your system. Cortisol gets shot into your system. So your pupils dilate, right? You start breathing really shallow, very, very fast. Your heart rate increases, right? Your blood pressure increases you start to really shunt blood in a, in a way that you're super hyper, hyper focused, right? Like, so it's mm-hmm. like, you're, you don't really need to analyze right now because you are trying to uh, escape a bear, right? Yeah. Um, your muscles become tense, right? Cause you're getting ready to fight or you're getting ready to run, right? You're, yeah, you don't really need to filter stuff. So, you know, filtration in the liver, filtration in the kidneys go down your digestion. Yeah. You don't really need to digest at this point in time. Right. <laughs> so if you, so if you can imagine this is all necessary because you need to fight or you need to, you need to, you know, fight or flight. Right. So, but can you imagine though, if that entire process, because that's cortisol ripping through your system, that entire process, if that stays long-term. So now you start having IBS symptoms, right? You start having either constipation, diarrhea, you start to have anxiety, right? You can't, you, now you're having trouble focusing because, or you're having trouble really like concentrating. You're having trouble sleeping because you're so high wired, right? And you're really, really like trying to get somewhere, right? You're starting to notice maybe some chest pain. Like you're starting to notice some headaches because your blood pressure is elevated. You're starting to like feel really winded when you're walking up the stairs. Right. So you can imagine like, like, I mean, this is all the stages and, and it's, it's interesting because Hans Sully even says that, you know, we start turning to, and this is a really good indicator, like for your question too, we start turning to things to make us feel good. We start turning towards things to medicate us. We start turning towards things that boost serotonin and dopamine in our bodies, which are neurotransmitters, because our bodies are like, I am done. Like I need help. Like, Hey, help me. So what it sends out a signal is this is what I need. I need a survival. Well, unfortunately, what have we learned as survival, right? We learned that really that glass of wine is going to help me mellow out, right? That bump of cocaine is going to help me get back up. Right. Like that cup of coffee is going to help me in the morning. Right. That marijuana joint is going to help me. That that cookie is going to help me. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what the addictive substance is, but we all have, you know, have done some part of that Mm -hmm. in order to 
you know, really medicate or get through. And that's our body's response. So that's another way that I would say, you know, if for people that are like, I don't know if I'm Mm -hmm. like actually having any issues, it's like, well, do you feel like you're going every single night for a glass of wine or for a drink? I mean, so many of my patients were like, I'm not an alcoholic. And I'm like, well, how many nights are you drinking? You know, every single night, two to three cups. I'm like, okay, while you, there might not be an addiction in the sense that you can stop tomorrow. That is an addictive. Right. I mean, they're looking forward to that. I think I I had a woman actually at my work who would watch squirrel videos. I know that she's like a director and she's like, I watch, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm watching squirrel videos on YouTube every night. Yeah. She's like, because it just makes me happy and it's something to offload. Another woman says, I watch my Netflix is on 24 seven. I can't watch the news anymore. I just watch show after show after show. And I drink wine. Yeah. And she's like, I'm just trying to like decompress my brain. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what they're trying to do. So yeah, I, that totally jives and it totally makes sense. So, yeah. so as a clinician, you know, you're, you're going through the pandemic, you're human too. And I'm sure it's super stressful to try to hear all these, hearing all these stories and having people break down in your office. You know, what are you doing to stay sane and to limit burnout for yourself? You're a clinician, you know, cognitively and intellectually what you should be doing, but what are you really doing? How are you taking care of yourself? Well, I do. I mean, I do walk my walk and talk my talk. So I, you know, it's going to be easier to manage stress levels when you are doing foundations of health. And what I mean by that, and that's my kind of, I guess, summary of just basics, like basics, basics, it's going to be that much easier for you, for anybody to actually balance their cortisol function when they're doing these things. And that means making sure you're making sleep a priority. So getting to bed at like nine 30 to 10 o'clock every night, getting seven to nine hours of sleep, making sure I'm eating right. Right. Like, so when I'm in times of intense stress, it sounds I know for many people, they're like, I just want to reach for that cookie. But I know that like when I'm in intense stress, that's when I buckle down and I get super clean with my diet. Like, I mean, I just get super clean because the more clean I am, I'm nourishing myself with phytonutrients, antioxidants, things of that nature. I'm not craving sugar. I'm not craving that either because I'm I'm giving myself Mm -hmm. the nutrients that they need. I'm making sure I'm making time to exercise and I get outside to exercise. I do not go to a gym. And I know that's hard because not everybody around the world or even the country has that ability to kind of walk every single day. But, But to be honest with you, even when I was in upstate New York, you know, during the winter times, I would put my snow gear on like my snow pants on and I would just get out and I would walk. So, you know, there's two parts to it. There's number one is really important just for the exercise piece, but do not disregard the power of nature. Like just being out in nature, there's multiple studies on just the powerful effects, right. Of being in a natural setting on cortisol levels. I mean, they've done studies, even when, when kids were doing tests, like teenagers were doing tests and their cortisol dropped immediately when they were, they didn't even go outside. They were just watching a nature scape versus wow. a cityscape. And they and it just came back down. They did this in prison systems also in, in Portland. And they found that like inmates, the level of the time in solitary confinement goes down and hostility went down just because they let people out in the what's called outdoor settings a little bit longer. And they did like a poster or some sort of image of nature inside the the jail cell or not not the cells, but inside the jail. And actually it just helped with aggressiveness inside the the prison system. That's something I've never heard before. It's almost like 
well, I'm not going to give this away. I'll give it away, but like almost like a virtual reality situation. Totally. If companies had like a VR room with nature and literally every 30 minutes or 30 minutes a day, the employees would go in there and have that time. Oh, I love that. Let's build it. Let's build it. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then, you know, so we have the food, the exercise, the sense of purpose is so important. Like, I mean, you have to feel connected. If you don't feel connected, I definitely recommend getting help around that, getting a life coach, right? Going out there, talking, doing a Google search, right? Doing, doing whatever you need to do. And then of course, the big thing, community, you have to, have to, have to, have to do community. It doesn't matter whether or not you recruit girlfriends, guy friends to go walking. It doesn't matter whether or not you just pick up the phone, you start talking to people. That interaction is vital. It is the, 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 that, and it could be even having a dog, to be honest with you. It's just, you want some sort of, like social yeah, interaction. Yeah. That's so, invi- that's so important. So those are the main things. And that kind of helps me, but I'm also like going back to the you know comment earlier is just the fact that I'm really aware, like if I'm very irritable or if I'm very short with my patients or even with, with colleagues of mine, I know I need to start start stepping back. So I actually will shorten my days. I will start taking more lunches. Like I will like, so I definitely will change my schedule just because I'll start to notice it within myself. And I don't, I try not to push myself because I know that. Yeah. 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 It's my limit. And then I, there's a lot of adaptogens out there too, which actually help the adrenals work better. So, you know, that's like reishi mushrooms, ashwagandha, Avena stativa, like I mean, there's there's just so many. Different are these like herbs. natural patch? Okay, supplements. Okay, yeah. I was like, they're what just, are we rattling off here? <laughs> yeah, no, they're just herbs. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many yeah. amazing herbs out there that just help the adrenals kind of settle in, or like yeah. you know, just help with the cortisol. So, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we can give me a link to some of those things to share with our guests because I think that's really important to be able mm-hmm. to have you know our listeners feel like, what do I do and what does a naturopathic do, doctor? I think a lot of people just don't know. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Those are those are great tips. I love the one, especially about nature and, and figuring that out. I mean, we all hear eat healthy, we all hear sleep. Any tips for sleeping? Anything different other than you know, remove your phone from your room, don't watch TV, you know, certain time before anything that you feel like has, has been helpful for you or advice to your patients so far with sleep? It depends. Like it depends on, on whether or not people are having trouble falling asleep versus like staying asleep. I would say, you know, without unfortunately sounding like a broken record, probably because you've, everybody's heard it truly, like truly, if, if I had to look at everything from, cause I, I did write a sleep module for the American college of lifestyle medicine. And, and when you look at the overarching amount of research out there, the number one best thing that people can do is number one, attune to whatever the outside light pattern is meaning this. So go out in the morning, like, and get exposure to the outside light. If you're stuck all day inside of a room that gets only artificial light, make sure you're leaving and actually getting outside at least multiple times a day. And then shut your phone, shut your computer down literally three hours prior to bed. If you're really having trouble. I haven't heard the three hours. Okay. Yeah. So usually they do one hour. I say three hours because 
you need to get yourself ready for bed. Like sleep is more like an airplane, not a helicopter. So it's not like you're like, okay, I'm ready for bed. And then you just get it right. It's more like you have to go on this runway, get enough speed so that you can fall asleep. So the reason I say that is because if you shut your phone down three hours prior to bed, find things like take a bath, you know, read a book, have family communication hour, play a board game, like do things that are actually nice and soothing that don't like ramp up too much energy. And that don't, that doesn't even like get you too wide. I mean, I've had so many patients, they didn't even realize that part of the reason why they weren't sleeping is because they're watching the news right before bed. I know. Right? And then, it's like, and Oh, we just bombed a country. Oh, yeah. take a nap, go to bed. Yeah. And yeah. they, and they can't, and they don't, they're like, I just don't understand because it's not like that piece of the news is naturally like running in their head, but that just literally, it gets you nervous yeah, I guess yeah. you're nervous. Exactly. So, yeah. so that would be my big thing because our cortisol melatonin cycles run the most with the daylight cycle. So anytime that you go outside, you're attuning your pineal gland to what's going on outside. So that's how you can really reset the system. So that would be my biggest tip. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think about that, especially living in the Northwest or those of us that are in, I was from Alaska. So it was like sunny mm-hmm. the whole 24, 48 hours, you know? So it's really nice to see that, you know, you should get outside. And, and yeah. for those people who are like working in an office space basement or a, in a room that doesn't have a window throughout the day, I love what you said about peeking out throughout the, the day and, and mm-hmm. getting some real natural sunlight yeah. or set an alarm clock. You yeah. know, I always say set an alarm clock and just go keep going. You know, love that. Perfect. Well, we're wrapping up the challenging time and talking about burnout. We're going to go a little bit to the fun part. This is my favorite part of the podcast. So here's where I get to ask you some fun food for thought questions. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. So if I told you that you could be seven years old for a day with no responsibilities or worries, what would you spend your day doing? Oh my gosh. I get to be seven years old with no responsibilities. Yes. Oh my God. I would, I probably would go get lost in a forest somewhere and just go crazy. It was like, it was one of my, it was my, one of my favorite things to do when I was a child. So I would probably spend endless, endless hours in the forest, just playing, Mm. just playing, just getting lost just getting lost and playing and not having a care in the world. And if I ran into a lake, just running into a lake and just being butt naked in the <laughs> lake, that would be awesome. That would be amazing. That would I be what I would that. do. I love yeah, that. That's what that I is, would do. That's the first answer that someone has said, butt naked. So I really like that one. That's I love really it. <laughs> I, I love right, it. I, right I, there I, beside you, maybe yeah. with some clothes on because, yeah. you know, forest bathing. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would be butt naked going through the forest. That would be amazing. (laughs) That'd be awesome. So here's a a question that's a little bit more reflective in nature. And Uh I love what you said earlier about if someone's putting up a lot of roadblocks, right? About how can I, I'm not going to take care of myself. It's too expensive. I don't have the time. My husband comes first. My kids come first. I'm on the back burner and digging deeper into a question. So here is a question that Mm -hmm. is really about digging deep. Mm -hmm. So answer the following question with the first response that comes to you. If you really knew me, you would know that I. If you really knew me, you knew that I care very deeply. I can hear that and feel that when you're talking, especially about your patients and obviously knowing you Mm -hmm. on a personal level. You know, you're one of those people that really 
when you're with someone, you're with someone like you Um, are there and you're present. I know a lot of people talk spiritually about being present. Like you're one of those people that I was like, dude, chill it is rock solid. Like she's (laughs) one of those people, seriously, like you're very Uh present. You listen and you don't just listen with your ears, eyes, and you know, everything else. You really listen with your intuition. And that is a true gift. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to thank you so much for your time today. It happened really fast. It was like a blink of an eye. I learned a ton of stuff. I love what you said about the importance of just really those basic things, you know, eating Mm -hmm. right, drinking water, you know, spending time in nature, you know, that sunlight piece and just being out and seeing the natural light. You know, people don't really talk about that enough and the importance of sleep and hearing you say, you know, take a break from electronics and technology three hours before bed. That sounds like a real challenge, but I think it's something that's really helpful. So, Mm -hmm. well, and honestly, like, I mean, you know, this probably they're doing a lot more tech free type of cleanses or just like retreats out there because unfortunately, you know, part of the burnout, part of the kind of the spiraling of where we are with our adrenal health has to do with, we are so connected to these things, right? Like, I mean, we wake up and we're checking emails right away. We're checking Facebook right away. We're checking, it doesn't matter. And so that is going to be, that's huge for people Mm -hmm. to say, I can disconnect from that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we've talked a lot offline when you or I were on a trip together, we talked a lot about how nice it was not to have that. I mean, I think we used our phone for like really cute pictures of us, but other than that, (laughs) it was like, it is so nice to be away from that and not have, I mean, we don't want to be captive by technology. We need to be in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat. So I totally agree. Yeah. The work you're doing in this world is with holistic healing is incredible. And I'm so glad that you were able to be with us today and share with us the powerful effects mm. that it can have. It means so much to me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I feel honored. I feel honored. And I'm so excited you do this. I'm like, I'm Thank it. you. Yay. So to our listeners, right. hearing Chilla talk about her work with her clients reminds us of how impactful it can be when new resources are shared with us. Often we don't even know what the options are. We don't know what being a naturopathic doctor is and what's available in our community. So it's so powerful to know that we have healthcare support like Chilla in our lives to help pave the way for women to heal. As women, we are all searching for what lights us up and together we can learn how to burn bright and not burn out. To our listeners, for more information on Chilla, please visit her website at www.chillavares.com. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc.